0: So, on Thursday, uh, we celebrated Valentine's Day, and I'm sure most of you either celebrated Valentine's Day by spending time with your loved ones, or receiving a bunch of flowers, or just passing love to someone. And... I love the concept of Valentine's Day. I love the concept of Valentine's Day because it shows love. It shows the celebration of love. The celebration that I love you. I care about you. I appreciate you. And even though that comes only once a year, the reality of the matter is God is love. And God wants to share his heart with us, wants to share his love with us on a daily basis. Now I'm sure most of you who celebrated Valentine's Day, that was just Thursday, like two, three days ago. I'm sure since then up to now, you've had either bad feelings or you've been annoyed by the person who you love, or you've been, you felt that you've been let down in one way or another. So even though you are celebrating Valentine's Day and telling that person, I really appreciate you, I really love you, but that didn't last long. Because a few minutes later, a few days later, you had something that you felt in yourself that they have disappointed you, or they are not treating you right, and you felt, I don't, I'm not really sure about this love thing. But I want to assure you this morning, our Heavenly Father loves us, not only on Valentine's Day, but every single day of our lives. He demonstrated that to us by sending His only Son to die for us. And as if that was not enough, he sent us his Holy Spirit who dwells in us and lives within us to show us every single day and every moment of our life that God loves us. And if you have any doubt that God loves you, just look around you and look within you. And you will realize God loves you. And it is this theme of love and this theme of God partnering with us through the Holy Spirit that we have been walking through the book of Acts. We saw that love for us demonstrated in the story that Nathan shared last week. The story of a boy called (laughs) Utikas. Hmm? Very hard name. I'm terrible with names. This boy who was snoozing away at church, And then he fell down and he died. But we see the love of God just poured out on this boy and God raises him up from the dead. That is the love of God for us. And so as Paul came out of that meeting, I'm just picking up from where Nathan left last week. So Paul is coming out of that meeting that he had shared almost for over 12 hours, just preaching and going on and on. And then he's on a journey. He's going to Jerusalem. He's so much focused to reach Jerusalem. And so I pick up the story and I'm going to read from verse 16 of Acts chapter 20, which says, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From my letters, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe fasting testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught pu- publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in Jesus, in the Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warned me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Amen. Now, I want you to imagine waking up in the morning. As you wake up, you feel hungry. Then you walk towards the shop. Wherever you shop, whether it's Sainsbury, whether Tesco, whether the local shop, and you go into the shop, and as you look around, you find there is no food. All the shelves are empty. And you are hungry, there is no food. I want you also to imagine feeling very sick very sick in your body, and you really need medical attention, and then turning up to your GP, and you find there is nobody there. There is no medicine. There is no GP. There are no nurses. I want you also to imagine feeling threatened by someone or facing an attack. People have invaded your home. And you take the phone and quickly you dial 999 expecting that the police are going to come to your rescue. And you find the phone is silent. There is nobody on uh, on the other line. I want you also to imagine this morning walking to church. And as you come, you find the doors are locked. And by some miraculous way you manage to find your way and you come into the church. And you find this place is empty. There are no music team practicing there. The chairs have not been laid out. There are no leaders. There is nobody to to preach. There is nobody to serve. There is nobody to welcome. And everything is empty. I don't know what you will feel if life would be that frustrating, if there would be nobody available to meet your need. I'm struck by these words, when I just read from the beginning here, that Paul, avoiding to go to Ephesus, because Paul had been in Ephesia for three years, preaching the gospel. The text tells us that he was walking house to house, ministering the gospel of Jesus. And Paul knew that if he goes to Ephesus, he's going to be stuck there. And his aim was to reach Jerusalem so that he can testify to the message of Jesus in Jerusalem. So Paul, instead of going into Ephesus, he calls out to the elders of Ephesus and tells them, come and meet with me, instead of me going to Ephesus. And I was just stuck and struck by the fact that when Paul said, come to me, these elders, they came. And this was going over and over in my mind. There is something very tangible, something very powerful about availability. And I want to tell you this morning, if you are to be a Christian, who will be used by God? If you are to be a man or a woman or a child, who is going to be used by God? It has to start with availability. It is so profound that these elders, these leaders would find time to say that we are going to listen to what Paul has to say. Now, they had responsibilities. Some of them had families. They left their families behind. Some of them had jobs. They left their jobs behind. Some of them probably they were threatened by this new faith that was coming up. And they felt threatened to come out of their homes and travel. But they came out and traveled. And as I was just thinking about this availability, how we can be available to be used by God. I was directed to to Deuteronomy chapter 20, and I was reading Deuteronomy chapter 20. And this is a very interesting chapter, because the children of Israel are going into war. They are going. Their enemy is raging. Spears are raging. Forces are raging. Chariots are raging. But God tells the children of Israel, he tells them, you know what? Do not be afraid. Do not be faint-hearted because when you are going into this war, I'm going to give you victory. And that is what our God is telling us. That the wars are raging. The enemy is at the door. But we should not be faint-hearted. We should not be afraid because he is going to give us victory. That is his promise. He is going to give us victory. So let us bank that. God is going to give us victory. However, God goes on to say, speaking to the people through these officers, he goes on to say, if anyone among you has built a new house and they have not enjoyed the new house, let them go back home. God is saying, I'm going to give you victory. But if you have built yourself a house and you haven't lived in that house, you haven't enjoyed the company, the goodness, the calmness and the quietness of your house, go back home. God speaks again through the officers and he tells them, if anyone among you who has planted a vineyard and has not yet ate the fruits of the vineyard, let them go back home. Vineyard would take seven years to bring fruit. So God is saying, instead of you going into the battle and and going to think about, oh, I've left my garden, I've left my vineyard, better go back home. And for us, we can have our vineyards, we can have our jobs, we can have our responsibilities, and we think, oh, I actually haven't worked enough to get some money, to enjoy this life, to enjoy my job. God is saying I'm not going to use you in ministry just yet. Go back home. Attend to your job. Attend to your responsibility. The Lord continues to speak to the children of Israel and he tells them, if any one of you is betrothed to a wife, you are ready to get married, or you have a young wife, go back home. You are not going into battle. Battle Because when you will be in your in the battle, you will be thinking, Oh, I left a young bride at home. I haven't enjoyed her company, I haven't ate the fruits of marriage. So go back home. Go to your wife. Go to your spouse. And then God finishes by saying, Is anyone among you faint-hearted or afraid? Go back home. Because you will be at the battlefield and you will be afraid. You will be afraid, and by you being afraid, you will cause others around you to be afraid. So instead of going into the battlefield and being afraid, go back home. Now, this is not a message of condemnation, church. This is how loving our Father is. He has already promised that, I am going to give you victory. I told you, let's bank that. All right? Let's bank that. He has said, I'm going to give you victory. So he's not condemning you by telling you, you go look after your job, you go look after your wife, you go look after your responsibilities. If you think that your responsibilities have a priority over mission, have a priority over me sending you out, have a priority over you being an ambassador, then you go attend to it. But I will still give you victory. But for a man, for a woman, for a child that that God will use, will have to say, I'm leaving my job. I'm leaving my garden. I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving my responsibilities. And I'm going with you, Jesus. Jesus put it this way. He asked a man, follow me. In the book of Luke chapter 16, I think. The man said, oh, let me go bury my father, then I'll follow you. Jesus asked another man, come, follow me. The man said, oh, Let me go have a party and bid farewell to my family. Then I will come follow you. And Jesus said, anyone who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What God is saying, it is either you are in all or nothing. Yes, he is going to give you victory in your life. But if you are that person that he is going to use to bring about that victory, then you have to be fully available for service. Now we come to church. And then we are there singing and worshipping and praising God. And you might be at church, like even today, but you are not really there. And then you will see the Holy Spirit moving. You will see people lifting up their hands. You will see people speaking in tongues or bringing words of knowledge or bringing prophecy. And you wonder, what is happening? Why is it that I don't feel anything? Everybody around me seems to be feeling something, but I don't feel anything. How come God is touching others, but He's not touching me? It might be, Because you are not available. You are there, but you are not available. You might be like this boy who Nathan spoke of last week, who was there, but he was just sleeping. But still God brought victory in his life. So, if that is making you feel, oh, how come? God is not using me. How come God is not giving me victory? Remember, it's not a word of condemnation. Terry Varga said that, do not feel angry, but feel hungry. Feel hungry and say, oh, I want to be available for God to use me. I want to be available for God to touch me. I want to be available for God to make his purposes and plans for my life through him. Sometimes I come from work, and when I come from work, I see my wife, I see my children, and I come, sit down, take my laptop, and I'm busy, maybe doing something, or on my phone. I'm in the house, and sometimes my wife has to remind me, you know what? You are not here. You are here physically, but you are not here. Because she'll ask me something, and I'll answer her when I'm on my phone or typing away. Zachary will come, and I'll do, yeah! And then he'll walk off, and I'll continue what I'm doing. I'm there physically, but I'm not there. And God is not looking for people who will just be there physically. He's looking for people who will be alert. If you want to be used by him, he wants you to be alert to what is going on around you, to be looking into your heart. God, what do you want me to do? Who are you sending me to? Who do you want me to touch? What is it that you are speaking to me in this circumstance? So you will come and you will hear testimonies. People saying, "Oh, I was in Tesco's at checkout, and I saw this lady fumbling because she reached, she she made her shopping." And she didn't have enough money to pay. And I got my wallet and I paid for her shopping. And she was just so overwhelmed. And I told her, I am a Christian. And just I feel that God is telling me to pay for your shopping. And you will hear stories of, I was walking the street and I saw this guy seated at the corner. He looks just Lost, And I spoke to him and he told me he's homeless. And then I brought him back. I took him to Megan and Megan made a good bag of goodies for him to keep him warm in the cold and some food. And you will wonder, what are these stories? But they are things in our ordinary life because we are available, we are lot. If we are busy in our own cloud, if we are busy in our own walk, we are going to miss all those small things. You do not need to be a pastor. You do not need to be an elder. You do not need to be a church leader to be used by God in ministry. Being used by God is all about being available for what he wants you to do. So all of us, God is calling us into that availability. God is calling us to say that I want to work with you. I want to work through you. Will you be available? I spoke a few years ago, I think. I spoke to a guy at work. I had a part-time job, cleaning job in the evening. And this guy was late, and I was wondering, why is he late? Because I was supervising a group of cleaners, and he came, and he was kind of troubled, and I asked him, "What happened? Are you all right?" And he said, "My boss didn't pay me. I went to work. I only bought a a, a single ticket because I was expecting to be paid to be paid today. But then my boss says, I'm not paying you, you have to come back on Monday. He was working at a construction site and he was heartbroken. So he he had to come from walking to Chetsea, so he just banged the train. And as he was on the train, the conductor came around asking for tickets and he asked him for his ticket and he said, I don't have a ticket because my boss didn't pay me and I don't know. And that conductor blessed his heart. Instead of issuing him with a penalty, he took out a 20 pound note and gave it to him and said, Brother, I just feel God telling me to bless you. And that just broke that guy. He was in pieces. He could not understand why a random person could give him a 20 pound note. And he came at work. He was in tears. He said, This morning I was so broke and I was telling God, if God you are there, if you ever exist, can you reveal yourself to me? Reveal yourself to me because I'm confused in this world. And then I go in the train. Instead of getting a penalty, this man just randomly gives me a 20-pound note. And he was shattered. So instead of working, I just took him in the next room and I had a conversation with him about Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus. Availability, it doesn't matter where you are. You can be available to be used by God in your current situation, in your current circumstance. That train guy wasn't a pastor in a church preaching, he wasn't a missionary or an evangelist on the street walking. He was in his job doing the job that God has given him but he was available in his duty and responsibility because the bible says that every good gift comes from above and every job that we have it is ministry whether you are a policeman whether you are a nurse whether you are a teacher whether you are a cleaner whether you are whatever it is that you are doing you are in ministry That is your mission field. So don't look for opportunities outside your mission field. You are not going to find them there. The opportunities for availability that Christ has given you, they are in your mission field. So while you are in your mission field, while you are in your current job, you should be looking and thinking, God, what do you want me to do? So I'm so glad that these guys came. And as they came, Paul had a chance to speak to them. But he couldn't have done that if they couldn't have made themselves available. We have a responsibility as a church to be available to what God wants to do in our midst. I speak to people who come here during the week. And there are stories and testimonies of so much that God does in this place. And that happened just as a result of people from church just showing up and saying, I'm going to go to Revive and see. I'm going to go have a cup of coffee. And as they are here having a cup of coffee, someone will walk in and they'll start having a conversation. And there are stories. There are so many stories of just how God is meeting with people in this place. There are stories of people coming into this building for different things. They came came to food bank, then someone directs them to something else that is happening at the other side of the building, and they go there, and God just meets with them. It doesn't require a lot from us. We have so much complicated the gospel that we feel that we have to have this knowledge and skills to be able to meet people. But sometimes our responsibilities are so much minimal But just God wanting you to tell someone, can you please go see Megan? Can you please go see Jenny? Can you go see Nathan? Can you go see Felix? That that is the only availability that God wants from you. And we are missing it. Because we have put on this face that I have to be a pastor, I have to be a leader, I have to be serving at church to be able to do this. But today God is saying, where is your availability? I feel some of you strongly that you have been held back. You have been hearing God time and time again say, be available for this mission. God has been speaking to your heart time and time again. I want to send you out. But because of what is around you, you feel like, I cannot. I want to tell you, make yourself available and just see how God will work everything else that is around you to fit the mission that he has sent you into. I just feel like praying for us for availability, that our ears will be tuned in with what the Holy Spirit is doing. So if you you feel in your heart that I want to be available, I, I don't know, I don't care in which capacity, in which way, but I just want to be available, my ears to be open to what God wants to do, just raise your hand up. Heavenly Father, I just pray I pray for these hands, Lord. I pray for these hearts. (laughs) I just say, Holy Spirit, come. Just come and start convicting hearts. Start touching hearts, Lord. Just start having this, connecting people, Lord, with the right places the right environments, the right circumstances, Lord. And Lord, as they are willing, Lord, to say, yes, use me, Jesus. Yes, I am available. Holy Spirit, I pray. Will you just give them the right prompts just to go and to reach out to what you are sending them for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Now, there is a lot that Paul goes on, and I'm so tempted to look into the meat of what Paul was bringing. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I just want to share with you briefly, because I'm very cautious to finish on time. I want to share with you briefly my own journey of just saying yes to God. So I was born in 1981. I was born the 19th in my family. My mom and dad, they were orphans before they got married. And they looked back on their life and they had suffered a lot. And so they say, "We're just going to be available for God to use us. We want to have many children." And God used them powerfully. Nineteen children. Twelve girls and seven boys. Incredible. I I can't believe it myself. If I wasn't the 19th, I wouldn't believe it either. (laughs) So growing up, my dad made his home into a church. So every evening we would gather and we would sing, we would pray, he would teach from the Bible, and then we would go to, 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 to sleep. It, it wasn't a choice. You had no choice in this, you know. You know in UK, children have rights, you know. <laughs> you, you had no choice in it. You had to be there. So I had to be available. Sometimes I loved it, sometimes I hated it. So growing up, I was in a day school, because most primary schools are day school, so I was in a day school. When I went into high school, I went into a boarding, and I thought, freedom! Hmm? (laughs) So the first two years in high school, I just, I wasn't serious, because I thought, oh my goodness, no more parents to tell me what to do, no more do this, do that, oh yeah. But I realized, The freedom wasn't really freedom because whereas I had the freedom to do whatever, there was no whatever to do because that was just not me. Anything that was whatever out there didn't interest me. So I was just the the class clown, you know. I was just a joke, telling jokes and doing funny things and making people laugh. We had a Christian union at school. But I would rarely, I would go there on Sunday, I would rarely attend the meetings. But then, when I was finishing the second year in high school, I just thought, no, I really need to be serious with my faith. And I I know what connects me better. I know what calls me better is to be in the presence of God. So I started attending the morning prayer meetings, and then I went and started attending the Christian Union meetings. And then the... Second week that I attended the Christian prayer meeting, they were doing elections for new leaders. So the patron of the Christian union said, all right, we are going to elect new officials, and what I'm going to do is let us have a time of prayer, let us have a time of reflection. Then I'm going to give you pieces of paper. You write three names of people who you want to be leaders. So we did that, and he gave us the piece of paper, and people wrote, and he said, The person who is going to come up with many votes is going to be the chairman, followed by the secretary, followed by the treasurer in that order. So I wrote my three names, which mine wasn't included. But then when the names were read out, I was the second person with the highest score. So I was appointed or elected the Christian Union secretary. (laughs) And I thought, this is a joke. I don't, I'm not even a full-time member of the Christian Union. And I am a joke at the same time. How can it be? But I said, no, Lord. If you have appointed me, I'm going to have this responsibility of working into this role. So I did that for my entire period. I was in high school. I was the Christian Union secretary. And then I went into back home you know i had some failures i had some markups i went to university and i moved into the uk and before i moved into the uk god just spoke to me through one guy that we were praying with and he said you know i see god moving you into something big i didn't know what it was he didn't know what it is but he said I can see the star is really bright. You are moving into something big. Then at the office, I was working with my brother. We had a company. And our secretary gave me a piece of prayer. And it was just five lines. I can't remember exactly every single word. But the prayer went something like this. It went, God do something so big in my life that will only come from you. And as I took this prayer, she said, this prayer is changing life. Pray this prayer three times a day and within a week, you will see some big miracle. I said, so I said, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. So I took the the prayer and I was praying it. The fourth day I was praying the prayer, I got a call from my brother-in-law in the UK who said, do you have a passport? There is a job that has opened up. If you have a passport... It's for you. So I said, I had applied for a passport. I don't even know where it is. I haven't gone to check. He said, it's not a matter of you had applied. Do you have it in hand? So I said, okay, let me go check. Sure enough, I checked the passport was there. He connected me with the right moments. And me, I'm thinking, this is going to never happen. This is going to take forever because it takes ages to go through those visa and processes. It can take even a year, six months. The moment I I, I submitted my passport to the British High Commission, two days later, I got a call for an interview. I went for an interview. Three days later, I got my visa. Five days, the process that takes forever, five days. The same weekend, I was on the plane coming to the UK. (laughs) Just like that. And I came here, and I started living in the UK and working. Now I was looking for a church, so I visited several churches, but I didn't feel that I'm connecting with those churches and what God was doing. So as I'm having a conversation with my colleague at work, he tells me, oh, my wife used to go to that Clappy Happy Church. (laughs) And I'm like, what church is that? So he tells me, he refers me to Diane, and then I contact Diane, and Diane tells me where we are meeting, And I come and I visit Beacon Church. We were still meeting at Chetsea, Adolston, the Jubilee High. So I come there and I just feel at home. So soon, I just wanted to worship, sit there at the back and go out. But then I thought, no, i got to serve God in one way or another. So I started working as a churchmaker team. We used to call it site team those days. So I started putting up chairs and setting up chairs, something that I enjoy, something I still do. And then I was attending a connect group. So there was a lady who was leading the connect group with Paul Young. Most of you will know him. And then she was moving away. So she, after, this is after some time. So she spoke to me and said, told me, why can't you take over uh, helping Paul lead the connect group? And I said, really? No way. I can't do that. But she said, no, the anointing of God is on you. Will you consider leading the connect group? So I said, I'm going to be available. It's all about availability, you know. It's nothing to do with us. You can be as bad as you judge yourself to be. You can be as clueless as you want to say you are. But it is about saying, yes, God, I'm going to give that a go. Yes, God, I'm going to hear your voice and I'm going to do what you are asking me to do. If it is the right thing, God will carry it on. If it is the wrong thing, it will just die. So don't be afraid. So I said, okay, I'm going to give that a shot. And I started leading a connect group. A few years later... Andrew spoke to me about leading a connect group. Now, when Paul had moved away, now taking on fully leading a connect group. Now, I was so happy being under the shadow of someone, assistant. But now, this is a responsibility for me to be a connect group leader. And my first sentence was, don't do it. You can't do it. What are you going to do? You know nothing. But again, I said, if God wants me to do this. If God has appointed me, I'm going to do it. And I said, I will do it. And for years, I have led a connect group. Now, for those that have led will tell you, he's not a brilliant leader at all. (laughs) Because I just turn up. I don't do much. They know, they'll tell you. Anybody I've ever led will tell you I don't come up with these brilliant ideas. No, I just show up. Sometimes I show up without any clue what we are going to do. And I just say, Lord, it is your church. It is our time of worship. Can you reveal to us what you want to do? And God does the rest. We have brilliant times together because God turns up. So it's nothing to do with me. It's just me saying, yes, yes, Lord. A few years later, Andrew spoke to me and told me, speak, why can't you speak? We had an evening service that we used to have, and he said, can you speak at the evening service? And I said, woo, Andrew, I'm all right leading a connect group, speaking in the small group of people, but speaking in front of a church, it's a no-no. But then I went back and my heart was bubbling. God was speaking to me and asking me, why did he ask you? Give it a go. So I said, okay, I'm going to give it a go. And I did. Years later, I'm still doing it. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you as a fact, I'll tell you for the truth. Every time I preach, every time I come out of this pulpit, I'll say to myself, that was really rubbish. <laughs> you shouldn't do that again. You are not qualified to speak. You don't have the material, you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the understanding. You shouldn't do that again. But every time another opportunity comes my way, I say... I'm going to give it a go. And I'm still giving it a go up to now. And then the last of all, last year, they spoke to me. They said, can you consider being one of the elders? And I said, oh my goodness, now this is getting really serious. (laughs) There is no way I can be an elder. And just before that, a few years ago, Tom, who was leading the church at some point, had, had put us together, a group of guys, and we were learning, and, and, and he was teaching us. And I just felt, at that time, I wasn't married. All the rest of the guys were married. I was there, and I just felt I don't belong to that group at all. I loved the guys who are around me, but I just thought, I diminished myself, and I said, I'm, I don't belong there. And I was planning to quit. And the reason why I was quitting was, I thought I'm not good enough, and I thought, honestly speaking, that Tom had put me in that group because I'm black. How silly is that? And that was what I was convinced. Oh, these other guys, you know, they have it, they've got it, but me, because I'm a black, you know, you have to put someone in, you know. And so I spoke to Ted and Daphne, bless. There are a couple who are here, they are passed on, God bless their heart. And Ted just poured out his heart and prophesied over me. And he said, God has a plan for you, God has something for you, God has set you for greater things. Don't give up. And it is the same feeling I felt when I was asked to be an elder. And I said, I'm not going to do this. But on reflection, I remembered the words that God has spoken over me. I remembered how much faith he has in me. And I thought, because of the love of God, because of his impartation on my life, I'm going to say yes. So forgive me. Forgive me, really forgive me, if you don't think I qualify. Because I don't think I qualify. I don't know what I'm doing yet. I don't even think I'll ever know what I'm doing. But my heart says, yes, use me, God. My heart says, yes, walk with me, God. My heart says, I am available in whatever capacity, use me. And that is what God wants for each one of us. He just wants us to say, yes, and he will use us. So do not diminish yourself. Do not diminish the gift that God has put in you. Do not diminish the ability and the capacity that you have to communicate Christ in your walk, in your speech, and in your family.